0: welcome to madison labor radio we are dedicated to bringing news information and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement to the madison area and surrounding communities i am gil halsted i'm a former member of wisconsin education association council and the united faculty and staff Your support in any amount helps make Labor Radio and all of the great programming and WORT possible.
1: Hi, I'm Rebecca Meyer-Rau, the Executive Director of Worker Justice Wisconsin. This week, we get breaking news of a local sheet metal workers' union strike, learn more about a strike by UAW workers at CASE, get reports on what happened locally on May Day, Get updates on contract negotiations and union drives across the country, and much more. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of WORT and Labor Radio.
2: 105
0: sheet metal workers at Track Day Building Systems have had enough of management's efforts to undermine their union. Members of the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers, or SMART, Local 565, plan to walk off the job tonight. Here's Labor Radio's Ellen Lalazerne and Jesse Bell, Business Manager for the Local, with the story.
3: The workers at Trachee Building Systems are set to go on strike at midnight tonight. What are the main reasons these workers decided to say yes to a strike vote?
4: I think it's really about flexibility to the members. There's been a lot of uh, mandatory overtime put on the workers through the pandemic. The company is looking for additional mandatory overtime language. You know, the people are just they want more family time. Um, There was a moment where Trachty worked these guys for seven days a week for about nine weeks in a row, very strategically, where they didn't mandate the same person for the 15 days, but they would go back and forth from machines.
3: Management sent the workers a letter telling them that they should resign from the union so they don't get fined if they show up for work once the strike starts. And they also outline what workers would lose if they are on strike, such as unemployment and health insurance. What's been the reaction of your membership to that letter?
4: You know, the reaction to that really has probably gassed the fire more, as it is, I'm sure, to be a scare tactic And a union-busting tactic to get people back into the shop without a contract its actually motivated the members to stick together, and it's really gained solidarity over there.
3: They're claiming that they're going to continue operations once the strike starts, and with all the excessive overtime, and in light of the tight labor market, how do you think the company is actually going to be able to keep the place running if they don't have any workers?
4: There was probably a plan for this. I do think that there was a strategic plan to try to boss up the union. I don't know the facts on if they have things stored, but as I stated earlier, there was extensive overtime all last year, and I just don't know if this is something that they've planned and built up for just for that reason.
3: And what did the strike vote look like?
4: It was a very strong strike vote. And with that being said, you know, we're hearing rumors of offers to cross the line, excessive bonuses to come back into the shop. I'm just hoping that we can stand strong on the line.
3: What have you heard from management about why they're taking this stance? Are they?
4: Management has never really given us any business reasons. I sat across the table from Jeff Burbach, the CEO president of Tractive Building Supplies. And he was very blamed and basically said that they have zero interest to sit down and negotiate anything. I requested that we sit down, extend, let the workers keep working so that there was no monetary damage to either parties. And they told us to go to the street.
3: What kind of community support is the union looking
4: for? We've been working with uh, Scuffle South Central Federation of Labor. Kevin Gunlock, he's been helping us with resources. And Mcnerney United Way has been in contact with us. We will be looking for help or donations from people, if it may be cases of water or maybe gas cards. You know, we're looking for support on the line from our community. These are good union jobs, and union wages go towards the community.
3: Thank you. That was Jesse Buell, business manager for Smart Local 565. I'm Ellen Lalazern for Labor Radio.
0: On Monday, workers at Case in Racine struck. Frank hapsack has the story.
5: On Monday, the 700 workers, members of UAW Local 180, struck the Case Agricultural Implement Plant in Racine. They were joined by their fellow workers at the Case Burlington, Iowa plant. The last strike was in 2004, and after 19 days, workers ended the strike and then faced a five-month lockout when the company refused to take back the striking workers. Labor Radio spoke with Yassin Mahdi, president of UIW Local 180. We asked him to outline the issues. The key issues, in they mainly consist of
6: benefits as far as uh, insurance premiums steady going up, level Mm -hmm. of coverage. Obviously, wages is always going to be a piece of that uh, conversation, vacation time, time off, things of that nature.
5: President Mahdi outlined a fourth issue of excessive overtime. When asked if hiring more people would help, President Mahdi indicated that would help, but other issues contributed to the problem. Mahdi explained.
6: Yes, that would help as well as um, company managing the business better throughout throughout the pandemic or COVID. You know, I know it's been challenging with sourcing parts and all of that stuff. However, prior to that, there was issues with, you know, how they would run the business. And one thing I can say about us is we've always tried to assist the company with getting better with that and also uh, giving the company advice on what they should do to avoid future issues since we are so vested. In the company, you know, we look at this as a career and not just a just a
5: job. madi made frequent references to the feeling amongst case workers that they looked upon their employment case as more than just a job, but a career. Madi emphasized that the union has proposed ways to manage the company better. When asked if the company shared this view, Mahdi responded. Uh, it appears as though it fell on deaf ears. President Mahdi noted that the workers stepped up during the pandemic. As of this interview, negotiations are not in progress. UAW Local 180 stands ready to meet with the company to resolve the strike. According to MarketWatch, the company had revenues of $4.65 billion for the first quarter. It was up 34.4% compared to the quarter last year. Earnings for CNH Industrial also expected to grow substantially. In other words, the union's demands for higher pay and improved benefits do not seem to be constrained by finances. Labor Radio will keep you informed as developments occur. Thanks to Yassin Madi, president of UAW Local 180 for this interview. I am Frank Hemsbeck for Madison Labor Radio.
4: Einen recht schönen guten Abend, meine Damen und Herren. Ich begrüße Sie recht herzlich zu unserem heutigen Fernsehprogramm
6: und wünsche Ihnen Einen recht guten Entfernung.
0: Starbucks workers and community members celebrated International Workers' Day and showed their solidarity with ongoing unionization efforts at the company during a rally held on May 1st. We'll hear from the rallying workers on their energetic bid for recognition. What do we want? A
2: union! What do we want? Now! What do we want? A union! What do we want? A union. What I don't do think we everyone want? knows.
7: Now! Partners and community members under the banner of the organizing group Starbucks Workers United showed out at the Capitol Square this Sunday in a rally to mark the celebration of May Day, also known as International Workers' Day. Convening outside of the cafe located on 1 East Main Street, Starbucks employees from Appleton, Madison, and Milwaukee expressed support and solidarity for the ongoing worker-led movement to organize cafes across the state and country. Partners and community members marched in front of the Capitol Square location, engaging in chants to rouse support for the union.
2: One coffee, skip <laughs> the cream, we are on the union team.
7: The, team. Brandeis. Brandeis, Loka, the Double. union busters, you've got trouble. Caitlin Polka, a partner and barista from the newly filed cafe in Appleton, had this to say about her vision of a unionized Starbucks.
3: We deserve to be in a place where we don't feel like numbers, right? Where we don't show up to work, look at our little play builder and be like, okay, well, you know, I've popped myself into the computer and nobody cares about me, right? Starbucks needs to give us a third place. It needs to give us the opportunity to really love working there and to get back to the mission values.
7: In his speech to the crowd, president of the South Central Federation of Labor, Kevin Gunlack marked the importance of the Capitol Square in the history of Wisconsin's labor movement.
2: Over, just over 10 years ago, as kind of mentioned earlier, we had up to 100,000 plus people marching around this square, sleeping in in those quarters. Why? Because we had a union buster that tried to take away our rights and said we couldn't be in a union. And we fought back. They were told, oh, you can't be in a union. Those workers are in a union.
7: Gunlack explained to workers about the shared goals of laborers across industries, as well as the solidarity offered by current Scuffle members.
2: We are a labor council that consists of 90 unions that represent workers from all walks of life. And all of those workers and all of those unions support you right here and now and in the future. We're going to stand with you today and we are going to be with you every day
7: thereafter. Starbucks Workers United has now gained two victories in Wisconsin. The company's Oak Creek Cafe scored the first victory for the union in the state, voting 15 to 8 in favor of unionization at the end of April. The second victory came this week after a vote count this Wednesday determined that the company's cafe location in Plover voted 7 to 5 in favor of unionizing. Two further elections are slated for Wisconsin stores in the coming weeks. And Appleton Cafe is set to end their election by June 15th, with a vote count beginning on the 16th. As of today, Workers at the Madison Cafe, located on MLK in Maine, have not yet received an election date from the National Labor Relations Board. Special thank you to Frank Emsbach for sound clips included in this story. Reporting for Madison Labor Radio, I'm Sean Hegerup.
1: Negotiations for a new contract continue between OPEIU Local 39 and CUNA Mutual. Frank Emsbach has the story.
5: OPEIU Local 39 met with CUNY Mutual Tuesday as contract negotiations continue. The parties began contract negotiations on February 7th. The Tuesday session came after the vibrant and large Sunday demonstration of support by CUNY workers for the union's bargaining committee. Labor Radio spoke with Joe Vicka, chief steward, and bargaining committee member of the CUNY unit of the OPEIU. We asked him to describe the key demands.
8: The key demands revolve around uh, five things. One is protecting our HMO healthcare plan. Another is making sure that the company doesn't freeze the pension for new hires. A third is uh, wages that keep pace with inflation. A fourth is job security, so protections from outsourcing and contracting of our work. Uh, And a fifth is remote work flexibility into the future because Our company has been profitable for the last two years under the pandemic, while all of us have been working remotely, and so we want that to continue.
5: These issues have been on the tables for months. Given that, we asked if the company had made any significant positive response to these key issues.
8: We continued to talk about uh, job security on Tuesday with the company. The conversations have been in the, the right direction in regards to job security, Uh, So that's been good. Until we actually see uh, written proposals in writing, though, we're just going to continue to uh, make sure that the company is aware of just how important all of our priorities are to our members.
5: As Vicka pointed out, while there has been some movement on employment issues, the basic economic issues are another matter. Labor Radio asked if the company had made any significant proposals on economic matters.
8: Not, not yet. Um, so as of right now, their economic proposals are still uh, well short of where they would need to be. Um, they're offering wage proposals that are far below inflation at this point. And uh, our members know that given that the company has made record profits, uh, we all deserve to have a compensation that at least keeps up with the pace of inflation. Uh, there's no reason any of us should be taking a pay cut.
5: What are the next steps?
8: The next steps are to continue to get members involved in this process. What's been great is that our members have been extremely united in fighting for a fair contract. Um, We'll likely have more ways that the community can get involved as well, um, since this is an issue of good quality jobs in the Madison area.
5: Negotiations will continue next week. Thanks to Joel Vika for this interview. I am Frank Emsbach from Madison Labor Radio.
1: Immigrant workers, labor, and community supporters took to the streets of Milwaukee on May Day and to the halls of the Capitol in Madison the next day. Greg Giboski reports.
9: Last Sunday, May 1st, was International Workers' Day and was a national day of action for the Immigrant Rights Movement. With events taking place in 39 cities in 17 states as part of the fair immigration reform movement or firm and we are home in wisconsin a two-day statewide series of actions was organized by the milwaukee based immigrants rights group voces de la frontera people from around the state gathered in milwaukee to repeat basic demands on the national level Speakers demanded fulfillment of the promise of President Joe Biden and congressional Democrats to abolish the discriminatory 287G program that allows state and local agencies to act as immigration enforcement agents, shut down for-profit detention centers, expand temporary protected status and other protections for immigrants already living in this country, and calling on the repeal of the Trump administration's Title 42 anti-refugee program. Rosalind Medrano, a Latina essential worker in the cleaning industry and a member of SCEIU Local 1, spoke at the start of the march in front of Vosas de la Frontera's offices on historic Mitchell Street in Milwaukee. Medrano is translated by Nikki Hertel Miros of Vosas de la Frontera.
2: Tengo- Today I'm here with all of you to make a call to President Biden to abolish 287G and to put an end to for-profit detention centers, so that they may respect the rights of everybody who is requesting asylum and the expansion of TPS. Enough already! Ya basta! Stop blocking licenses for everybody, including university students.
9: The estimated crowd of almost 4,000 then left historic Mitchell Street to begin the over three-mile march to the office of U.S. Senator Ron Johnson, whose vote against immigration reform ensured its one-vote loss in the Senate. Steve Shea, the Committee and Political Education Chair of the American Federation of Teachers Local 212, representing the Milwaukee Area Technical College, explained why he and others in his union were there marching on Sunday.
3: 212 supports all workers, not just union workers, not just our membership. Uh, Immigrant workers are the most exploited workers in our nation. We're here to support them. Immigrant rights are labor rights. All laborers are interrelated, and they all need to stand up for each other.
9: The crowd rallied again in front of the building on Milwaukee's Wisconsin Avenue housing Johnson's office, packing the city block. Speakers included Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson and Vozotila Frontera Executive Director Christine Newman-Ortiz. Here's Wisconsin worker Israel Peña speaking to the post-march crowd.
3: My name is Israel pena My name is Israel Peña. I've lived
2: in this country as an immigrant worker since February of 2008. I've worked in the wineries in California, in the fields, harvesting nuts, almonds, cherries, peaches. I've worked in a car wash, washing cars. I've worked in construction and restaurants. And I work in manufacturing here in Wisconsin. In every one of these jobs, I've put forth my best effort and dedication with the goal of being able to provide for my family and contribute to the economy of this great country. I am here to say that we need to ask our president and our leaders to work for immigration reform and driver's license. We all deserve this.
9: But the action was not over. The next day, Monday, May 2nd, over 300 people from across the state packed the rotunda and mezzanines of the Capitol building here in Madison as part of a statewide lobbying day to demand restoring state driver licenses and IDs and expanding in-state tuition equity to immigrants. Lt. Gov. Mandela Barnes was among the speakers, reiterating the Evers administration's support of these legislative measures. Much of the crowd was made of local students, including Madison High Schools, East La Follette Memorial, Middleton High School, and even a teacher-led group of pupils from Madison's Carl Sandburg Elementary, who on Monday struck their classes to march downtown to the Capitol, filling the streets of Capitol Square and the Capitol building itself. Brian Carreras-Garcia is a senior at East High School and will attend UW-Milwaukee, and is a member of Raza United. Carreras-Garcia, an organizer of the large student walkout on Monday, had this to say.
6: We knew there was gonna be a protest today because of May Day, Day Without Latinos, Day Without Immigrants, so we wanted to add to it. I was personally in a meeting with bosses de la Frontera. I told them we can have a walkout. We will have a walkout May 2nd. And they supported us. They gave us the green lights and now we're here.
9: There was Brian Carreras-Garcia, a senior at East High School and one of the organizers of Monday's mass student strike in the Madison area. Monday's statewide gathering at the Capitol followed Sunday's May Day March in Milwaukee, All a part of the Day Without Latinx and Immigrants, Wisconsin's effort in a National Day of Action for Immigrants' Rights. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky.
1: We're going to take you back a long time ago. Back to 19, 19, I don't know, I
3: was
6: too young to remember. 74. Uh,
1: uh Uh-uh, 70. Union organizers in New York pledged to keep fighting to organize Amazon Workers Monday, despite a setback when workers at a Staten Island warehouse rejected joining the union. Sean Hagerup has more on the second election to take place in the city this year.
7: Workers at the LDJ5 warehouse on Staten Island in New York City voted against joining the independent Amazon labor union, casting 618 votes against unionization compared with 380 votes in favor. The union's loss comes just weeks after it made history by organizing the first successful vote to unionize at an Amazon warehouse in the United States. Labor organizers blamed, in part, Amazon's union-busting tactics for the loss Monday and said the blow will not be the end of the movement. Quote, I'm a fighter. I know that I'm not going anywhere, said ALU interim president Chris Smalls, who started the union after being fired from Amazon. Quote, my team are fighters. They're not going anywhere. We're going to hold our head up high and we're going to continue to push forward. The effort to organize workers at the country's second largest private employer had its share of ups and downs over the past several years as labor leaders worked to crack the tightly controlled warehouses. The movement gained significant momentum from its victory last month, but Amazon also ramped up its union busting efforts, workers say, at the smaller Staten Island warehouse in the weeks before the vote. Quote, they have bred a climate of fear and hate at this building. Julian Mitchell Israel, a worker at the warehouse and organizer for the union, told the Washington Post, quote, and it was intimidating for a lot of workers, the incredible amount of misinformation. A lawyer for the ALU said the union plans to contest the results. Reporting for Madison Labor Radio, I'm Sean Hagerup. In honor of National Nurses
0: Week, SEIU Health Wisconsin nurses are sponsoring a blood drive. Here's Victoria Gutierrez with more info about the event.
10: May 6th through 12th is National Nurses Week. May 6th through 12th is Nurses Week 2022. On May 9th and May 10th, the union nurses that I work with are hosting an important blood drive, Honor and Nurse Save a Life blood drive. The Monday, May 9th and Tuesday, May 10th, 1 to 5.30 at the Madison Labor Temple, 1602 South Park Street. And people can go to www www.redcrossblood.org, listed under Madison Labor Temple, or people can call 1-800-RED-CROSS-733-2767. So why did you decide to do this blood drive? Because of the pandemic, blood drives stopped, and currently there is a critical shortage of blood. So this year, we wanted to give back to our communities in doing a blood drive.
1: The NAACP's Labor and Industry Committee met with Governor Evers' chief legal counsel Thursday afternoon. The committee emphasized their strong support for Governor Evers' letter to the Attorneys General of Wisconsin, pointing out there was no legal reason for the university hospitals and clinics to refuse to voluntarily recognize the SEIU United Healthcare Wisconsin.
0: On April twenty-six, student workers at Iowa's Grinnell College elected to create the first wall-to-wall undergraduate student union in the country, expanding their union of Grinnell Student Union dining workers, the UGSDW, to include all student workers. The UGSDW voted overwhelmingly to expand, with 327 voting for the expansion and only six voting against. Our victory is the culmination of five years of organizing, the union said in a statement. This is a victory by and for the student workers, and we alone deserve the credit. Thanks for listening to Madison Labor Radio. I'm Gil Halstead. Thanks to editors Frank Emspack and Ellen Lalozern, assistant Robin G, reporters Greg Jabowski, Sean Hagerup, Anna Ham, Scott McCullough, Janine Ramsey, Tony Reeves, Carol Wydell, Mike Bernard, and Damage Control Specialist Joanne Powers. Thank you as well to website editor J.J. Meyer. Special thanks to Keith Steffen, our Reader Coordinator, and to all our readers and the members, IBEW Local 2304 WORT Staff Collective.
1: And I'm Rebecca Meyer-Rowell, we also like to thank all of gener- all generous contributors to Labor Radio and WORT. Please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise and Dave Watts.